Let's have a, a word of prayer, and if you'd like to take your scriptures, turn over to Joshua chapters 3 and 4. That's where we're going to be at this morning, Joshua chapters 3 and 4. Let's pray. Holy Father, um, we know in life that uh, every day at times seems like a battle and a struggle, and that's why your presence is critical every day of our lives. So, Lord, I pray that we learn from your incredible words that teach us the importance of just clinging to you. Lord, I, I know that there are those this morning that have come in that have had really hard weeks, and they need to experience your presence. So, Lord, I pray that uh, in these few minutes, Lord, that everything I say will bring glory to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. These last few weeks, we've been dealing with uh, family vacation, and it's been interesting. Uh, they had those cartoon figures of me and Tom, and they've showed up like all over the world. Uh, there was actually one, uh, I want to thank Randy and Mary for the hot tub in Greene County, and uh, that, that might have been my favorite. Uh, Brad just sent one uh, from Vietnam, Cambodia, and I'm, there's a priest holding my cartoon. That's a little creepy, but anyway, uh, it's been interesting to see all the pictures that are rolling in as we focused on family vacation. Now, the destination today, which is interesting, is simply titled Rivers, and that when we travel in our lives, many times you're going to cross a river. There's even a really weird thing our kids used to do where you hold your breath when you cross a bridge. Have you ever done that game? Good. I hope both of you like that. So anyway, uh, it's just one of those things that uh, in our, a part of our lives is our rivers. Uh, when I grew up, I grew up about a half hour from St. Louis, so I cannot tell you how many times... Uh, we crossed the Mississippi River. And I will say this about rivers, if you've ever grown up near a large river, is that rivers are extremely unpredictable. And I remember crossing the bridge of the Mississippi during like extreme drought season, and there'd be huge sandbars. And it looked like you could walk across the river onto these sandbars, play sand volleyball, and walk across. Of course, you couldn't do that with the current, but that's what it looked like. In the spring of the year, I remember watching that Mississippi River swell and just gobble up land. You'd see houses underwater. And in 1993, maybe some of you remember this, the story that came out of St. Louis. It was the worst flood in 100 years. But if you've ever been to the Arch, they're in St. Louis, and you know the steps leading up the Arch, uh, the floodwaters got to the top step of that Arch. And I remember the pictures. St. Louis was nervous because they never dreamed that there could be a flood that could actually get all the way into the city. Rivers are unpredictable. The most famous river, my, uh, my opinion, but I, I think I can hold up to this, most famous river I believe in the Bible is the River Jordan. And I believe it's famous for a couple of reasons. The obvious one is who was baptized in the River Jordan? The Son of God, Jesus. So that pretty much makes that, to me, the most special river. The Jordan River is powerful all throughout the scriptures, and that's where we're going to land this morning, is how God teaches us amazing lessons through the River Jordan. Years ago, speaking of the River Jordan, I had this little bitty guy, and I may have shared this a while back, but uh, it, it bears repeating. We had this little guy at church camp. He's about sixth grade, and I was the dean of this wilderness camp, and my daughter, Rachel, was there. And we're sitting around this picnic table just talking, and just out of the blue, this kid said, you know, I've been reading the Bible a lot, I've been studying a lot back home, and I, I really think I, I want to get baptized. I said, man, that's great. I said, uh, have you talked to your youth minister and your parents? And, you know, it was like a checklist. I said, oh, absolutely. I've talked to my parents, youth minister. I'm ready. And I said, so I guess when you get back home, you're probably going to 
set that up and get baptized. He goes, no, I think I'm going to wait a while. I said, you know, you don't need to wait. Matter of fact, if you want to do it here at camp, that's why we're here. I'll do anything I can to help. He goes, no, I'm seriously, I'm going to wait. And finally, I said, so, so why do you want to wait if you're ready? He said, because my entire family, they've already booked tickets to the Holy Land, and my grandpa's going to baptize me in the Jordan River. I'm like, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's impressive. The Jordan River is an extremely powerful and special place. And if you're like me, when you read about God preparing individuals and God preparing a nation, for whatever reason, there are three words. Maybe it's because the Olympics are in the air. But when I grew up, it's these three words, ready, set, go. You ever heard that? How many have ever sprinted in your life? You got any sprinters here? Okay. If you've ever raced, you've heard those words. And there is this something about that ready, set, go. And that's exactly what God is doing with the entire nation of Israel. And the backdrop of this is the Jordan River. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, and let's look at verses 1 through 7 together. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out, and they went to the Jordan, where they camped. Remember last year we talked about they're always camping. They camped before crossing over, and after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions, follow them, and then you'll know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance, about a thousand yards between you and the ark, do not go near it. And then Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Let's read verse 5 together, because that is, that is so important. Let's read verse 5 together. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What's he saying? Get ready. Ready. Now, how are they supposed to get ready? Well, first of all, they have a leader, and his name is Joshua. Now, that's a big deal, because Joshua was leading a nation that for 40 years was in wandering, and Joshua had to take the leadership mantle from who? Moses. Can you imagine that? I mean, it is one thing to follow a loser. If you're leading, if you've ever been in an organization, you've ever been there, and you're asked to step up and lead, but the guy that you're following is, is a goofball, that's not a bad place to be. And you got nowhere to go but up. But have you ever followed somebody who's just off the charts and people are talking about him all the time? Imagine these guys talking about Moses. That's a pretty tough act to follow. But what I love about Joshua is he doesn't compare himself to Moses. Not in any way. He, commu he communicates with God. And he's like, God, I am committed to do what you want me to do. I will do whatever it takes to get this nation prepared. And so here's what he does. He says, here's how you help them to get prepared, to get ready, consecrate yourself. Tell the entire nation to consecrate themselves. Now, what does that mean? It literally means association with the sacred. In other words, you set aside time to completely come clean with God. Now, what they would do is there was a ceremony of cleansing 
and they would completely cleanse themselves, and then they would put a brand new set of clothes on. And all of this was to say, Lord, I stand before you purified and clean. God, I stand before you right with you. And this is symbolic to say, I cleanse myself to prepare my heart before I ever go another step farther. Isn't that interesting? In other words, he didn't say, now let's, let's get together and put the map together. And let's put strategy plans together. Let's have a seminar on how to get ready. No, no, no. You're going to get ready by being right with God. That's how we get ready. If you really want to be ready in life for whatever challenges are coming, the first question you should always ask, the first question that I should always ask is, am I right with God? Am I right with God? Am I willing to, as it says here, consecrate? I love what it says in Psalms 51 that we approach God with a pure and clean heart. 51.7 says that he will make us as white as what? Snow. That's what he desires for everyone in this room. Years ago when I was in youth group, uh, there was a girl that uh, basically had been raped. And I remember her talking to us and our youth group about wanting to be baptized. And here's what she said. I just feel too dirty. I remember that. She goes, I just feel so dirty. I don't know that I can do this. And it's one of those rare moments where I just, I just remember just praying and praying and praying. God, I know the next thing I say needs to be so delicate and it needs to be straight from your word. And I said, I don't even know where it says this, but I said, in the Bible it says that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, no matter what you've been through in life, you don't have to bear guilt or shame that you're as white as snow. You're as white as snow. I just remember the tears rolling down, and she goes, you really mean he can, he can remove the shame from my life? And I said, it's not going to be overnight, but yeah, that's what he wants for all of us. It's what he wants for all of you. That you come before him and you say, God, take my life because you know there's darkness in my life and there's pain in my life and make me white as snow. And he can do that. It's coming in contact with the sacred. Are you ready? Because once you're ready, what does God say? When you're right with me, buckle up because amazing things can happen. You know how you know it's from God? When you can't explain it. When you say, God, I can't explain what's going on in my life, you know God's moving. And he wants to move in everybody's life. He wants to move here on the west side. I don't remember who it was, but the other day we were talking about the west side, and they said, can you imagine what's going on right now on the west side? Like when you first opened the doors, you know, 15 months ago, did you ever dream it would be like this? And I'm like, no, honestly, we were trying to survive. Do you all remember that first few Sundays? It's like, which door do we open? How do we set the chairs up? Let's make sure we don't blow anything up, you know. Don't burn the flag. What are you know, when you're moving things around? I mean, we were worried about all these little bitty, honestly, insignificant things. And then gradually we realized, you know what, this is about lives and allowing people to realize the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And then let's get out of the way and then let God do what only God can do. And it all starts by just saying, Am I ready? then set. Am I set? It's that pause in life. It's that moment when you say, Lord, I am moving forward, but I just need to pause and reflect on what you have done for me. I'm right with you, but I want to know that uh, everything that I do, I'm remembering what you have done for me. 
Look at verse 8 as we pick it back up. Tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, stand in the river. Now here's what you need to know as they're moving this Ark of the Covenant, that the river has swelled. It's a dangerous situation right now. God isn't saying, hey, there's a drought and there's sandbars and this is going to be an easy journey. It's just the opposite. Said, the river has swelled and it's dangerous and it's risky and I want you to take the entire nation across that river. But before that happens, we're going to lead with priests carrying, what was it they're carrying? The Ark of the Covenant. You may remember in 1981, the summer of 81, uh, Harrison Ford, after he finished up Star Wars, he starred in this movie. Anybody remember this? And if you've never seen that movie, you, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Good. Everybody at least knows what's going on. What's interesting, let's bring that, let's give them a hand. They're bringing in the ark right now. They're not priests, but they did pretty good, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want you to think about uh, what that was like. I, I remember with a group of high school students sitting there watching that movie, and I can't tell you how many questions, and this wasn't just our youth group. All over, there was a new generation asking about, what is the Ark of the Covenant? And I remember on the way home, we had a van load of kids, and they're like, is that real? Was there really an Ark like that? I'm like, Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, it was a huge deal. Now, what's interesting, when I was a kid, uh, one of my favorite snacks, it's because I love baseball, is Cracker Jacks. And do you know what made Cracker Jacks go through the roof, the cells? Anybody know what was the secret to Cracker Jacks? Anybody? Yeah. They had this stupid, cheesy, little one-cent, two-cent toy, and you'd go crazy, get to the toy. You threw the Cracker Jacks out, and if you, you think about it, I think cereal boxes, they picked up, like, kids are going crazy for that. Then they put it in cereal. How many of you ever poured an entire bowl of cereal out <laughs> to get to the toy? How many adults have done that? Am I the only one? I'm like, oh, that looks cool. You're not getting that one. You know, so you pour it out, okay? What's interesting about the covenant is God has this amazing box, and it seemed mysterious, but he wanted everybody to know what's inside the box. There was no mystery. Do you know what the three objects that were inside the box? My daughter is a senior at Moody Bible Institute, and I said, can you name the three objects? And she got two of them. That's not very good. So anyway, I want to share with you these three objects uh, that are in the Ark of the Covenant, because each one of these, I think, point us to the very presence of God. The first one is, and I want to share, first of all, I want to thank Tracy Fox. Tracy built this for us. We're going to find creative ways to use this. But this is an exact size and replica of the covenant. So afterwards, if you want to come up and look at it, you realize, now, of course, it was gold-plated, and uh, it had amazing, two beautiful cherubim angels with the, their wings pointed towards one another. It's four foot by two and a half by two and a half. And if you remember, the priest would carry it on poles, and this is how you know it's serious. How far away were the people to stand? A hundred or excuse me, a thousand yards away. Now, the other thing is, what would happen if they just randomly, accidentally dropped the Ark of the Covenant? Anybody remember what happened? You are dead meat. I mean, you don't drop the Ark. I mean, it is serious, serious 
business. And what God was trying to demonstrate was through the priest and carrying this ark was, my presence is with you. My presence is before you. I'm the living God. I'm not an idol that you put on a shelf from memories of the past. I am the living God. And inside this ark are reminders that I am with you. The very first thing that's in that ark, which I think is fascinating, is there were tablets. Now, when I think of tablets in our world, we think of medication, tablets. Am I right when you hear tablets? Now, in those days, there were two large stone tablets. And of course, on those tablets were what? The commandments, okay? So right away, God is saying, never forget my law. There were 10 laws. Those were the moral codes of an entire nation. Now, from those 10 laws, by the time you get to Malachi, there's over 600 laws that they kept spinning off. And do you remember that that's what the Pharisees would do? They would take random laws and they would judge people with them. And they came to Jesus and said, you know, there's over 600 laws. Can you narrow it down to the most important law? And Jesus said, oh, I can do that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what was the other one? Love your neighbor as yourself. But we should never forget how important those tablets are and how important they are today. What if, what if this would never happen? What if the two politicians running for president said, you know what, we've decided today we want to do what's best for the country. And we're not even going to run against one another. We just want to lift up the Ten Commandments and challenge our nation to live by the Ten Commandments. How would that go over? It would blow up your TV. I mean, no one would believe that. Now, would that change our nation if as a nation we said, we're going to go back to the very basics and we are going to strictly obey the Ten Commandments? Would that change our nation? Absolutely. Would it change our lives? Absolutely. So God said, when you see those tablets and you see before you the tablets, you remember that law is because I love you and I'm creating boundaries that will make this the nation that will bless the world. The second thing that he put in there, which I thought was interesting, is a gold. I don't own a gold bowl, but uh, in that bowl was manna. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That God would put the daily bread that they would receive as a reminder. So what is he reminding them of? Well, he's reminding them of the reason you wandered for 40 years is you didn't trust me. And when you whined and you complained about the most basic thing, which is food and water, what did I do? I gave you fresh water and I gave you manna every day. So you need to know not only are my laws perfect, but I will protect you and I will give you even your daily bread. And you remember when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Remember the very first thing he said, give us this day our what? Our daily bread, the manna. So do I trust God every day? And then I think probably the most interesting thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant, by the way, the Ark is called by the Ark of Testimony, the Ark of God, over 200 times throughout Scripture. So it's a pretty big deal. Was the rod of Aaron. Now, if you remember, this was the very rod when Moses stood up against Pharisee and the magicians. and they threw, Man, I used to love that movie, Charlton Heston. Okay. And he threw down the snake. Do you remember that? And then he threw down the rod, and the rod ate, turned into a snake and all the other snakes. I mean, God's power. But probably the story I love most is Israel was in a spiritual downfall. They were just free-falling, and they needed some spiritual structure. 
and they brought Aaron in and they said, we are crying out to God for spiritual help. And so the very next day, Aaron's rod had all these fresh blooms on them. And Moses made this declaration that through Aaron and Aaron's tribe, the Levites, this will be the high priest and this will be the spiritual leadership for the entire nation. So when they saw that rod and they saw the, the live buds, it was another reminder that God will always lead you. He will always have spiritual leadership. He'll ever do everything he can to prove that he is, and this is critical, the living God. He's the living God for you and me. Through his laws, through his daily provisions, through spiritual leadership, God is always reaching out to us. God is with us. I hope you believe that with all your heart. And then last of all, simply to get to the point in your life that you're willing to go. When you get over to Joshua chapter 4, what you find is God is leading a nation through the spiritual leaders, and here's what goes on, starting in verse 1. And when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, and the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one on each tribe, tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you. Put them down in a place and then stay the night. Now drop down to verse 7. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordans were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So let me explain what is going on. The very moment that those priests with the ark of the covenant put their toe in the water, this raging river basically began to stop to the point that an entire nation could cross the river. And you know as the people were crossing that river, one by one they were leaning into one another saying, this has to be from God. I mean, this is a raging river and we're walking straight across. How could this possibly be? How could God basically like a faucet turn off a river? And God knew this is the moment. Because see, remember 40 years previously when God issued them a challenge, said here's the promised land, and the spies went out and they came in, and they said there's giants, you can't take the land. He said, you got another giant, it's called the river, and you're terrified, but you got to keep moving across that river. And as they were moving across the river, God was basically saying, you're ready now. You just got to keep going. You just got to keep trusting. But that first step, that toe in the water, you think about how critical that was, how much faith that took. It takes faith for everybody in this room to really step out where God calls you to go. Now, I don't know how you're wired. My wife and I are totally different in this regard during the summer. Uh, we're not big swimmers, but when we go to pools and stuff, uh, my wife is a dipper and I'm a plunger. Do you know what that is? She takes forever to even get down a ladder to get into the water. Like she puts her toe in and she, you know, one little, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, she's like, and then I usually do a cannonball and I always hear, you're not supposed to jump off the pool, whatever. So anyway, but you got to just get in the water. And I think there's times God says, it's okay. Take one step at a time. You may need to dip, but there are those times it's like, go, you got to go, you got to go. I think how many times in my life, I guarantee there's been times in your life you've done the same thing. You sense God calling you to go, 
and you use every excuse not to go. You got to plunge. You got to say, God, okay, I'm willing to put my feet in the water. And the moment you do that, you know I'm leaning on you. I'm completely leaning on you. So my question is, what is it this morning you need to lean on God for? What is it right now? Is it your job? Is it something going on in your home? Is it going back to school for some of the young folks that are here? What is it right now that you're like, I need to go? I know God is moving me to go, and I just keep using excuses. What is it you need to put your toe in the water for? All of us have fears. All of us. A few years ago, when we had a a decision Sunday, um, uh, I remember Tom was talking to the staff, and he said there was a baptism after this decision Sunday, and then Tom got really choked up. And he said uh, the, the family waited till after the service because the, the woman who was getting baptized, as she was getting dressed, her mom was just crying, and she said, you don't realize she's been battling this for years. And Tom said, oh, you mean a decision to be baptized? She said, no, 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 she made that decision a long time ago. She's terrified of water. So the moment she gets in that baptistry, you don't realize this is a huge deal. This is her greatest fear. So the very fact that she's here right now, you can't imagine how much faith it takes for her to put one foot in that water. And we all need to realize that there are things in our life that are just deep down fears. And the only way we're going to get through it is to lean on God. Maybe some of you have some serious fears right now. And God knows that. Matter of fact, that's why God did, I think, something of Moses or through Joshua that I love. He said, now, I want you to tell one of the leaders from each one of the tribes that right there in the middle of that river, I want you to reach deep, and I want you to pick up huge stones, and I want you to carry that to the bank, and as we camp the next day, you're going to make a memorial. You're going to make a memorial because from this point forward, we want the world to know what happened here today. We know about memorials. Uh, We love memorials. Uh, I remember going out uh, to... Gettysburg and going to different areas and just seeing amazing, beautiful memorials that draw you to a different time where somebody sacrificed everything. We know how important memorials are. And God wanted this memorial to remind the Israelites and to remind us what God has done for us. Tracy Fox has helped out a lot this week and also Jonna, and I imagine the girls probably helped too, and that is uh, on your way out, today at the Welcome Center, you can pick up, we have different colored, uh, we call them memory or memorial stones. And uh, some of the stones have J35, which is Joshua 35. Uh, I put some on there that just have a little cross. Um, some of them have the word amaze. Um, but we just want you to have something when you leave here, because throughout the weeks to come, if you maybe have a memorial stone, maybe it's just something you have with you or put in your pocket, but just something to remind you, God is with you. We all need to know. We all need things in our life that will remind us that God is with us. I hope all of you in your office or at home have pictures somewhere in your home that every time you see a picture, you're like, that was a time when I felt the presence of God. Surround yourself with reminders of what God 
has done for you. I just want to close with that this morning. I want you to think how important it is that the presence of God is in your life every day. You may not ever have a time in your life where you see something as powerful as a river dry up, but you're going to have times in your life when you've experienced God in a powerful way. Remember those times. Cling to those times. And some of you may just need to pray this morning, and we want to give you that opportunity as we close out today, as I pray for you to know that we're always here just to pray with you. Some of you are at a point in your life like, I need Christ to be my spiritual leader. So let me pray for you, and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we know that at times it feels like a river that's out of control, and we feel like you've asked us to walk through it. So we know that your presence is with us. We know just as profound as it was when the Israelites watched the priests carry the, uh, the tabernacle, well, a part of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, Lord, that you are crying out to a nation. You are the living God and you are with us every moment of our lives. And Lord, there may be somebody here this morning and that's all they need. They need to know you are with them. So Lord, show up in an amazing way. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.